two in a row, suckers. Let's do this. Wildcat Radio. Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in the world covering your two-time, two-time Arizona football winning team. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. This is a time of celebration. This is I, I love when this team is good. I'm joined by Mr. Rob Bauer on the wizard behind the Beta Rank Advanced College Football Statistical Model, available exclusively on Wildcat Radio AZ. And uh, Rob, man, how are you? I mean, I'm wonderful. This is like... Uh compared to how i felt like halfway through that houston game in houston um i'm walking on air like uh, this is the moment of sunshine i mean arizona even got written up in a national football column this week uh by one of yahoo's national college football writers it's like hey wait a minute the wildcats are interesting again hey hey calm down national writers calm down (laughs) 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 no no 42 to 34 by the way you can follow the podcast for free on itunes google play tuna radio you can follow us on twitter at wildcat radio az and on facebook at wildcat radio az and our website is wildcat radio az.com but that's not important right now what is important is arizona 42 colorado 34 kind of a, a just a ah it was just, this is great khalil tate had five touchdowns um was slinging the ball around jj taylor 192 yards we were able to get it done on the ground i thought our run defense did great trayvon mcmillan can get it together uh we were worried about steven montez and while he threw three touchdowns we were still in this game there's a ton to cover and rob we were so down on this team for the first like five or six weeks because we sucked what has what's been the biggest turnaround that you've seen now that we have uh two games to take a look at i think the the turnaround is that the defense is projecting a little bit better than we expected um you know they they had a good game against colorado they didn't have a great game against colorado um this colorado game was the game where the offense really came to play um really for the first time all season i mean they, they the offense was decent against ucla given everything that was going on around them um but against oregon they had terrific field position mostly given by the defense and special teams uh and you know they they were eventually able to sort of turn that into points but colorado it was it was a little bit back and forth um you know colorado was able to put up some points against the wildcat defense but uh you know they just once again, you know, they couldn't stop Quill Tate. Only this time it was Tate really slinging the ball around. He had some, uh, he had a few bad throws, but he didn't have a ton of them. I mean, 17 for 22 is uh, one of his better stat lines uh, that he's had, even beyond the, the touchdowns and the yards. I mean, just running that kind of completion out percentage out there is terrific. Um, and they've been, man, like you can't, you can't. There's no other way to put it. Like Arizona can run the football. I mean, Arizona, <laughs> I mean, Arizona, I mean Arizona hasn't done it against great defenses. UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado do not have great defenses. Colorado has a goodish, I mean, middle of the road defense, but like didn't matter. Arizona showed up like Arizona's sort of makeshift offensive line, um, which doesn't have a lot of depth, um, showed up and road graded uh, in Colorado against Colorado. And J.J. Taylor had a great night. Um, I mean, it, Khalil Tate looked fast, like Khalil Tate fast on a run. He I did. Mean, he did. Yeah, that's uh, exciting. Yeah. I mean, he didn't really run much, but like when he did, it was like, oh, my gosh, she can move. Um it was it was this you started to get the feeling that maybe like things are clicking and people are starting to get Noel Mazzoni's offense. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, those would be my takeaways. I suppose. I mean, what did you think of the uh, the uh, the the game that Arizona put together here? So, if you were to tell me like two weeks ago, hey, JJ Taylor is going to run for 150 or so yards in back to back games against Oregon and Colorado, I would have said, hell yeah, yeah that's awesome, man! Like that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Colorado's defense isn't great but it's not ter- it's not like Oregon State's defense and Oregon's right. defense is bad but it's not terrible and I actually loved those front seven guys and I I know we like we disagree and the numbers disagree with me <laughs> like a lot on Oregon's defense uh, and I'm I'm definitely looking at individual talent rather than uh, the team in Oregon with all that said there were really good players on Oregon and I thought they would really stop out our run game so in back-to-back uh, instances you have JJ Taylor somebody that we've been like can he really be the guy is proving that he can be the guy and that's super super exciting for me I think the other encouraging thing uh, well two other encouraging points of this game the first is you had uh, Kevin Sumlin in his press conference say uh, Tate should have ran the ball more and I'm like ooh, ooh is, that, is that true is that true I, I think he's <laughs> getting to a point where like you said he's looking fast and I'm hoping that that's an indication of Kevin Sumlin opening up that offense and letting him run the ball a little bit more. Cause when he does, he's so dangerous. Uh, I don't know. Does that give you encouragement or am I jumping on a, a morsel that should, should be a lot more before I start enjoying it? No, no, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that, uh, for Arizona's offense to sort of add on to what you see out there right now, which is JJ Taylor can run the ball effectively. That means defenses are going to start to try to key in on him. So then it either has to be what Tate was mostly able to do against Colorado, which is, you know, force you to defend the field by throwing the ball around. And and Tate was able to do that. Um, or you, the other wrinkle is Tate keeps it. (laughs) Um, and you're not able to just crash the end and to try to take away the running back. Um, and so if, if they're crashing the end and, you know, to, to try to take that away, Tate just goes. Um, and I think for, for Washington state's offense, which, you know, Cal has a terrific, terrific defense. So that performance by Washington state was some of, some of it was Cal's defense. Um, you're going to have to try to keep up with those guys. So you're going to have, you might have to have Tate have the kind of uh, game on the ground that we were used to seeing. I mean, maybe not we were used to seeing last year, but he might have to run the ball five to five to 10 times in the game um, just to keep Washington state sort of, or just to try to keep up with what Washington state can do. Um, I think that's probably the, 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 where I would think they would land on. I mean, everyone's sort of saying like Noel Mazzoni doesn't want his quarterbacks to run. Like that's not true. Like Noel Mazzoni had a uh, human tank. Um, what was his name? Trevor oh, Brent, Knight. And Brent. Oh yeah. Hundley but he too. had Brent, Brent Hundley too. I mean, and those guys averaged about 10 yards a carry. Um, and they ran Trevor Knight, 10 yards a carry in the SEC or 10 yards a game in the SEC. Uh, that's nuts. <laughs> like he took a lot of hits from some pretty big athletic dudes that went on to the NFL. I don't think that this notion, like it, it's not necessarily Mazzoni's offense. Like they, Mazzoni's not afraid to have the quarterback run the ball. Now he's not going to run it as much as like a run first, you know, read option type offense like Rodriguez ran. But um, yeah, I think at this point it is, you know, Tate has to, if he's truly healthy and I, I'm not an ankle truther, I don't think he was, um, then he's going to, he's, he should in these next couple games start to run the ball. Because the other part is that if you watch that ASU game, ASU has a pretty good offense. They have 
some NFL playmakers <laughs> that are uh, you're going you're also in that game probably going to have to try to keep up against a, a good offense. So uh, Arizona's got a great shot to get to bowl eligibility, uh, which isn't something I thought was even possible. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at those games, I mean, if you were to pick one, Brian, like I mean, yeah, Washington State's clearly the better team, um, but. Uh, you know, like, do do you think Arizona has enough of a shot, maybe against ASU to get Bola? I mean, not we're jumping way ahead here, but I mean, why not? Like, dream big. It's a bye week. <laughs> so there's two games left, right? Washington State, yeah. ASU. Then that's it. That's yeah. the end of the season. That's it. That's that's the end of the season. I don't like that we're going to the Palouse like at all. Um, we I think, lost like sixty nine to. It wasn't sixty nine to nothing, but it was sixty nine to like almost nothing. Nice. The Palouse. Um, I, I don't like the fact that we're going to the Palouse. I think we have a better shot against uh, ASU. Just Gardner Minshew. And, I mean, here's a perfect example, right? You had a quarterback like Steven Montez, who we were worried that would be able to put up a ton of yards on us, and he did, and they didn't even have LaVisca Chenault in this game. Like, he he yeah. really did put the hurt to our secondary. And kudos to the defense. I want to focus on the run defense after this. But I do think that our secondary still is uh, questionable, particularly the the fact that we have some young corners and sometimes our safeties don't know where they're supposed to be. And that bothers me a lot when you have a quarterback like Gardner Minshew, uh, and added the fact that I, well, our defensive line is playing a little bit, a lot better than I had anticipated. Um, so that's a good thing. Right. But like, even if they do put pressure on him, he gets the ball out in like three seconds and, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but I I do want to focus on the run defense here because, uh, Trayvon McMillan, who is the running back for Colorado, is pretty good. Like he's he's right. not. I mean, that he's a Division One Pac-12 running back, and and has proved that that's the case here. And then when you work back to Oregon with C.J. Verdell and some of the guys they have there, they're good running backs as well. And our run defense has really stepped it up. Do you think this is a trend, or is this just two games where they've played out of their mind? I don't know. I mean, so the Oregon game, you could sort of say, all right, well, Oregon turned the ball over, made a bunch of dumb plays. Next thing you know, you're behind. When you're behind, you usually have to throw it, try to not burn up clock. Um, You know, so some of it, I think, was that, yes, Arizona played pretty well in that Oregon game. But some of it is that they also, like, really just tried to, I mean, they were were stuck playing from behind and had to rely on, try to rely on Justin Herbert, um, who had a horrendous game. But Montez, I mean, in this game, like Colorado wasn't really out of it until late uh, in the game. So they they did try to establish the run. And Colorado has they haven't been great running the football all season, but they've been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I've watched a lot of Colorado games. I mean, at no point have I thought Trayvon McMillan, like clearly he's going to be honorable mention Pac-12. But he's serviceable um and he he can definitely like put up some yards on you uh that (laughs) like they they really came in and shut down the run in this game and in a way that like montez was was throwing the ball around pretty effectively so you would think if that was the case like that uh you know there should have been some holes for mcmillan to run to because arizona should have been out there like trying to cover um katie nixon and the wide receivers and they just they weren't there like Arizona's Arizona's linebackers and defensive line like did a very good job. And I actually have to say this, and this is something that I have not said since like, I don't know, like the, the Mike Stoop second to last year, like our defensive line looks kind of promising, I guess. Like 
they're young. Um, they're starting to get some pressure. It looks like they're clogging holes. Uh, and they're the linebackers are getting downhill and mostly making their assignments. Now they've, they've missed some stuff in pass coverage, but um, yeah, like, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think this run defense is uh, improving, and I think the defensive line in, in particular is improving. So we ran into Jason Bartell at um, at homecoming, and I've run into him another time, and both times we're like, all right, yeah, let's hang out. And, of course, you know, at the end of the game, everybody goes their separate ways. I'm like, one of these days, dang it. Jason, if you're listening, we're going to hang out <laughs> with you. But, and I'm going I'm to throw a dart at you right now too, Jason. Um, I, I don't know if it was him. It was somebody that had tweeted out, you know, is this the best defensive line that we've had uh, in 20 years or whatever, I'm like, calm down. Like, I, I know that, I know that at the end of the the last season of Brooks Reed and Ricky Elmore, like they they weren't producing as much. But like that that defense line was awesome, and they had that big old guy that ended up going uh, to the NFL that like nobody knew was good <laughs> until he hit the yeah. NFL combine. His name escapes me right now. But that, I mean that that was an off uh, defensive line. This defensive line though is fine. Like I'm I'm excited, and I, you got to give some kudos to Marcel Yates for being able to use them and put them in a position to succeed. So I mean I. I love PJ Johnson. I think he uh, is just big and mean and nasty and he's trying to prove something. And uh, he, that that's a player that wants to get to the NFL and he's trying to show people that he can do it. Uh, 10 tackles for a loss, Rob 10. Like that's freaking, that's insane. Uh, I, know. Like, I, I know Colorado's offensive line is a mess. So like, let's, let's understand that who we were playing, but still even against bad teams, right? Like you want to see your, um, uh, or against bad units, you want to see your team be able to uh, reach its potential. And it's, certainly did it this this time uh, i'm trying to think of other other aspects of the game you had mentioned special teams i uh, i i'm the worst when it comes to analyzing special teams so uh what did we do well what did colorado do poorly well i don't know that i mean i think in the oregon game our special team sort of shown out i don't know that we i mean i was amazed at some of the kick the distance <laughs> that we were making kicks um in the game but beyond that like i mean the special teams like it's it's nice to have dylan clump you know punting um you know he's an improvement over last year uh but we didn't it wasn't as much of a factor as it was in that oregon game um this time around we weren't we were not sort of uh you know kicking uh we didn't kick like five field goals in the first half i know we didn't kick five field goals in the first half against oregon it just felt like we kicked five, five field goals the first half uh, in that <laughs> game <laughs> but looking at some of the other people, Colin Schooler, again, the night is dark and full of Colin Schooler. Three tackles for a loss, nine total tackles. The guy is just a monster. So I, I had brought this up a few weeks ago, Rob, and you had said that he needs to be on a better team uh, to get some of the national accolades. But I I want to go back and actually look at it. But he, he has to at least have 14 tackles for a loss at this point. Um, and, and he's playing well. Now, he's you know he's made mistakes, but for the most part, he's the biggest disrupting force on our team. He tends to be in the right place at the right time. And what does, if, if you were, if the season were to end right now, would he end up on like the first, second or third team all American? Or do you think he still needs to, um, <laughs> we still need to win more games. I mean, I think it's, 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 it has to be enough that he sort of shows up on people's radar, I guess you could say. Um, and Arizona is playing well enough that like, 
he is starting to like Arizona, you know, is starting to show up on people's radar again with another, you know, the win this week. Um, if Arizona is able to pull off an upset against either Washington state or Arizona state and schooler has yet another good game. Um, and he'll have every opportunity in those games. Um, he could potentially do it. He's going to, I mean, some of it, some of it in the national voting is, uh, some of it's who, who, who have I actually seen play? (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, it's a question of like, are there guys whose stats are so good that I just can't leave them off? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Stop right there. Cause I'm going to read his stat line. This is disgusting. 101 total tackles, Two interceptions, 19 tackles for loss, three sacks, four passes broken up, four quarterback hurries, and a forced fumble. <laughs> like, like when, yeah. when do we start putting him on the list, right? Yeah, no, that's no, that's right. Um, and let, let, me, like, let me look at national leaders on tackles for loss. So he is, uh, he is number two, actually, with 19 tackles for a loss. <laughs> that's insane. That is insane. And actually, like, it'd be he's 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 going to be one of those guys that a lot of writers are going to say, oh, you know, I haven't seen him play um, because no one, no one, none of the writers are staying up to watch Arizona. Although Arizona's played a surprising number of games on ESPN instead of on the Pac-12 network for it's the best. As, bad as, the, as, as bad as they've been <laughs> for some of this year. Um so I could, I could see that. I mean, I could see him now. Like his, his he's one of those guys that his stats are are too good to ignore. Um, you know, the tough thing is though is like you you're just going to have guy. I mean, so many guys on you know SEC schools that are uh, just having you know very very good years that may not have the same stat lines. But I would, expect, I mean, at this point, like he's he's definitely a shot at second team or third team. He's got a good shot at that with that, you know, if he can keep his stats up that high. Um, Arizona hasn't had their bye week yet, so, you know, other guys' stats are going to go up this week uh, as well. But he, uh, he's, he's got a decent shot there. If he is able to, the thing for Schooler is if he has a big game against Washington State because it's likely that, like, Arizona looks like they have some momentum going right now. It's suddenly an interesting game against Washington State. If that manages to stay off the Pac-12 network, and end up on a national broadcast and he has a big game in that game and Arizona plays him close, like Schooler's probably a second team All American. Nice. Um it's yeah. good to have the bye week. You have another week for Tate to heal. I know yes. Gary Gary Brightwell was banged up a little bit. Uh we had a Nathan Tilford sighting, so I was like, Hell yeah, yeah man, get out there, get out there. Show them that and then of course he had one one rush for negative one yards. That's okay. It's all right. You know, baby steps, baby steps. Um, hey man, he dressed for the game. Like that's you know, like that's a improvement. He dressed and got a carry. Like yeah, yeah, he's, he's showing. And they didn't hit, even if he didn't get the yard. Like it's a good decision not to give JJ Taylor the ball down there. Forty times he carried the ball though. I didn't realize yeah. that. I, I was actually going back and looking at the stats. I'm like, oh my gosh, forty carries for JJ Taylor. That's way too many, right? That's a lot of carry. I mean, they he had some some big runs. I mean, his yards per carry in the game, even though he ended up with one ninety two, don't jump out at you. But um, he they were able to move the sticks consistently um, with with Taylor, and you know, just able to get out there and run the ball really well. And I don't. I mean. Yeah, it seems like too many yard, you know, carries for JJ Taylor, but I don't know. Like he he's he's taken the punishment really well and um yeah, I mean, it's not like he's out there going against Bama. 
Like, <laughs> That's your and he got his little crab walk thing going on at the end. I appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> uh, what what else? Anything else in this game that we should cover? I'm I'm trying to go back and I like that Shun Brown got the ball. I mean, like it seems like they are specifically making sure that he gets the ball in his hands. And I know that the stats don't jump out. I think he had like 50 yards or something, but five receptions, anytime he gets the ball in space, that's a good thing. And I'm glad that they continue to do that. Uh, anything else that stuck out for you as we continue grinding? I mean, Tate had a good game. He also had, I mean, uh, it's, and it's hard. Like he had an unbelievably bad interception in the game. Um, some of his deep, Oh, that like deep last, ball. Yeah. That, <laughs> last that year, one. we last year, like, and I, I will admit it. Like I, I fell in love with like, Oh yeah. Tate throws an amazing deep ball, blah, blah, blah. Like the dude's been off this season, <laughs> like lots of underthrows, um, lots of overthrows too, uh, on his deep balls. And like, I know Mazzoni has sort of, I don't know if he's sort of given him a green light on, these and he didn't have i mean 17 to 22 like it's not like he had a 50 percent completion percentage in this game so maybe i'm just like you know picking a little too much here but um some of those were just like pretty ridiculously bad deep shots that maybe he shouldn't have taken so um i'm it, it, against washington state like arizona is going to have to i don't expect even arizona's improving defense to really put to put down the clamps on gardner Minshew. so um, going into that game in two weeks, um, I do think that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to clean some of that up and try to be highly efficient. Okay. Anything else? Anything else? No, we should cover? Was, like, that's it. Like, I mean, it feels good going into the buy off a win. All right. So we have, we have a bye week so I have, I have some topics to run with you, but first we got to do our sleazy, sleazy read here. And that's from my bookie. A special thanks to my bookie for sponsoring Wildcat Radio. Sure, watching football is fun, but you guys got to get some sleazy skin in the game. And Rob and I have been tearing it up our bets. I went four and two last week. I went three and oh on the sleazy bets that I made on my bookie. And uh, we've been talking about this for a number of weeks, and some of you still have not signed up. If you're an expert or a rookie, like, uh, you know, maybe like Adam uh, or no, 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 Adam's doing okay. Maybe like Ronnie, like if you're a rookie like Ro- Ronnie or an expert like me, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to make a little bit uh, of a bet to try to win big, you can rock the parlays where you put like a hundred dollars down to, to bet on three games. If they all win, you win 600. Um, or you, if you're conservative carry like me, where I'm just slowly just throwing some sleazy bets down uh, now and again, that is fine too. Uh, there's so much to bet on uh, basketball, hockey, primetime fights and more i recommend these guys because they have good online ratings and um i i took the pepsi challenge with them i actually uh put in some some sweet sweet fake cash (laughs) in my bookie uh to check out how how it's going and i really do like their website it's nice to have um i I used another book if you have another book you should have two um that way you can go back and forth and change and check the lines but um if you're looking for your first book this is a good one because they're giving you a hundred percent bonus for the first time that you put um some money down in your deposit a minimum of $100, but this is what you put $100 in and they match the $100. You can start betting that now. Um, you should definitely do that. You can also follow them on Twitter or Instagram at MyBookie. They personally respond to every mention and direct, mes- uh, direct message. I don't do that. <laughs> I, don't, I try to. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't uh, respond to the mean ones. Um, 
Not to mention they've given away more than $10,000 in free money. So definitely follow them on Twitter. Know when the lines come out first. And log into my bookie right now. Don't miss out. They're going to pull the 100% uh, sign-up bonus. And I think it's either this week or next week. Um, if you use the promo code WILDCAT, you'll get the first deposit matched 100%, minimum $100. That's promo code WILDCAT. You play, you win with my bookie, and you get paid. And... Um, and I'm not going to lie, man. I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well this year. You, you are doing really well this year. Uh, anyway, let's get into some real talk here. We have a player on the Arizona basketball program that got an extreme DUI, and people make mistakes. I understand. And um, probably some other things going on there that we don't know. But that said, Rob, an extreme DUI is twice the DUI level. Like that, that is that is very very bad. Um, and and driving in the in the community when you're a member of the Arizona basketball program and you can have somebody drive you pretty much anywhere you want, and you have Uber. Like there's no excuse for this. Um, I I thought a one game suspension was ridiculous, and uh, I know that some people like. It was interesting because I put it out there, and usually when I say anything bad about Arizona basketball, I get like 18 replies immediately. Only got two. And and I'm not saying that he should be – this player should be kicked off the team. Um, I don't think that – I think that it's good for him to be practicing with the program. And obviously, like when you're – when you have a tough time, it's good to have uh, the team surrounding you and your friends surrounding you and have something that you can put your focus into. I totally understand that. Um, And I think that there is a way to – Make sure that there are real punishments and still be able to be supportive of a player. Um, and that's what leadership is called. And I don't think that the way of doing that is giving a one-game suspension to somebody that, that did something that, that is quite serious. And I know that there are other consequences for this outside of basketball. But as a member of the basketball program, I, I think that sets a really bad precedent <laughs> that a one-game suspension is all you get for, for doing something like this. And I think people have to learn. I mean, like, it's just basketball. It still is just basketball. Um, I thought that a five game suspension would have been fine. Um, if they would have dropped a three game suspension, I still would have been, I probably would have said, well, that's pretty ridiculous, but okay, whatever. Um, I thought one was just laughable and I'm curious what you think. Oh no. One is, one is a little absurd. Um, for example, I mean, a football season is 12 games. If someone was suspended for one game for an extreme DUI in football, I would be surprised. Like that would seem light. <laughs> a basketball season is around 30 games. I mean, a one game suspension in a basketball season just seems, uh, I don't I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's the wrong message to send. Um, for Arizona at this point. And it's not, not just everything else going around the program. It just, I mean, it, it is a little bit too much of like, well, you know, so long as so long as Sean Miller's the one handing down the 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 punishments here, like it seems a little bit too much like a player's coach, I guess you could say. <laughs> like, um, and you that you need to be sending a message with a D, like a DUI at this point at that level, uh, you know, for Arizona's flagship program is just it's too much. Um, you know, he should be sitting. You know, like it's not like any of these games early on in the season are that vital. Um, 
you know, Arizona's Arizona's non-conference schedule under Miller has not been exceedingly taxing. So um, this should not, you know, sitting him is not going to have some repercussions on whether Arizona makes the NCAA tournament or not. Um, And if they did sit him, it's something the NCAA committee would definitely take into account um, if they did. So uh, I'm with you. I think it's ridiculous. I, I can't come up with any justification in my head that says, yeah, one game is acceptable for this kind of a stake. I mean, it's just, there's, uh, you know, like you're at this level, it's just at this level of a DUI, it's like, it's just lucky that he didn't kill someone. Like that's, it it was, that's where you're at. That's where, that's where you're at. And nobody got hurt. Thank God. And, uh, and, and I understand that. And again, I think that the biggest, responses that we got were like, well, you don't know what's going on with the program. You don't know what's, what the circumstances is. He was, I think Miller said that he was outright and honest. Well, yeah, if you get a D like at some point, Hey coach, <laughs> what was he, what was he doing? like, no, nah, it wasn't me. Like I, <laughs> I thought that was ridiculous when I saw that. Like, That's not me in the mugshot. <laughs> it's like, uh, at some point you have to tell your coach that, 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 that happened. And, uh, with with all that said, that's true. I don't know what's going on in the program. I don't know the personal circumstances. Sean Miller knows him better than I do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know this player at all. With with that said, I know what an extreme DUI is, and I know that this is just an athletics program, right? Like I know that it brings in a lot of money and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, it, it is a real bad look for a program that is already in a lot of hot water. And those things can be mutually exclusive, right? I think a one, one game suspension for, for this infraction is ridiculous full stop, but you can't ignore the context that this program is in, um, which is yeah. a, a national media is, is, I mean, ESPN is just looking to just to take a bat to our head every single time. Like it's ridiculous how, how, insane not i want to say insane, but it's ridiculous how like they keep trying to poke us you have dick vitale out there screaming his head off and just being ridiculous and i mean i just there's a lot of bad attention circulating this program you just had a, a, a coach fired for possible sexual misconduct in the football program and uh, and now you have a coach that um, is closed off to the media like right after that it seems like they didn't learn the lessons there it doesn't look like we're learning the lessons here where it's like you know if because we're in this, you can't ignore the context that you're in. You just can't. Um, so I think that we should have had a a larger suspension period. And I'm also saying that, hey, just take a look around and see what's going on with the program. We should probably be on our very best behavior. And that didn't seem like to be the case. So on this podcast, we will stop talking about this. But I did at least want to to address it. And I can't promise that I won't mention it again on social media, but I will try not to. But, um, <laughs> but you know, when something but, like, I mean, it's like yeah. come on, like there's I guess what's surprising to me out of this is, like, I mean, if there's nothing, if there's something that Arizona should have learned from Rich Rodriguez is just total mishandling of the Orlando Bradford situation. And that situation is not something that we, I mean, we have seen like situations play out across college sports is that it's really time to take discipline out of the hands of college coaches for off the court, off the field infractions, because they don't make good decisions when it comes to discipline. And that's where we come in. Like when people are like, Oh, you know, like you don't know what's going on. I'm like, what else do I need to know? Like, what is he like volunteer with kids or something in his spare time? It's still an extreme DUI. You still get punished like an adult for it. Like what it doesn't, I, there's the part of it like where you don't know what's going on. I'm like, yeah, like you said, like, but I know this. Yeah. And, and this, <laughs> and I, 
it, and this isn't an attack on the on the player. This is I like I I want to direct the hundred percent of the focus on the program and on the yeah. coaches because they're the ones that are they're setting the punishments. They're the ones that are the ultimate represent uh, representatives of this university. And uh, and here we are again. <laughs> like it's well, I mean, just a pattern. Sean, Sean Miller and Kevin Sumlin should not be making disciplinary decisions for off the field, off the court infractions. If it involves the police, this needs to be handled by the athletic department and by the university because they are going to make better decisions than coaches. Full stop. Like there's, we have too much evidence lately of coaches making horrific decisions, including at the university of Arizona about disciplining players for things that involve the courts. Like no more of this. Yep, that's fair. All right, like we'll we'll stop there. I just wanted to address it this one time on this podcast, and we'll move along, trying to be uh, more positive about the basketball program. And uh, I am actually really excited. I'm always really excited about basketball season, um, but this is you know one of the first years where. Arizona doesn't have the expectations of the entire conference and this fan base on it to win a national title. I mean, and you know, you can criticize Miller on one thing and, and, uh, and call balls and strikes and make sure to compliment him on another thing. And I think it's a high compliment to have a program that year after year is, um, at least competing for a national title. We haven't gotten one. We haven't gotten the final four, but we have had teams that had the talent to do so. Uh, we've had a couple of bad breaks in the tournament, a couple, uh, not bad breaks in the tournament. Um, but every year we're super competitive this year, Rob is kind of the first year where that isn't the case. Um, we still have a chance to make the tournament. I think there's certainly some talent, but, um, I really, I watched the whole exhibition game against like Western New Mexico sisters of the poor or whatever. And like that team was (laughs) so, did you watch that game? No. Oh, they were so, they were so bad. Like it was, it was inappropriate that they brought that team to McHale center. Like it was, it was embarrassing. So it was one of those games that was so lopsided and so bad that you couldn't really, it's like watching those high school mixtapes of those players that are like crossing over, you know, me basically. And then like, and then dunking on him. Like, look at this guy. He's awesome. Like, yeah, well, you know, looking at the players that he's playing against and yeah. it's hard to tell whether or not they can compete against another team. But how excited are you for basketball season? I'm actually really excited for this basketball team. I, mean, I think part of it is that there's not this sort of like crushing expectations that you mentioned. Like at some level, it almost stops being fun. I mean, that sounds like a weird thing to say because you're getting to see some of the best, you know, college basketball players in the country, guys that are going to get drafted. But, um, you know, getting sort of constantly lit up if you're an Arizona fan um, by other fans of the Pac-12, by other basketball fans around the country, uh, when your team doesn't live up to the insanely high expectations that come with recruiting at the level that Sean Miller has. Um, like it's almost nice, like it, it kind of feels nice to be coming into a season, like you said, like without the final four or bust sort of hanging over Miller and you just kind of feel like you can sit back and enjoy what could be an interesting basketball team and a, a team that I, I actually be surprised if they didn't make the tournament. Um, I think, I, I think they still have a ton of talent and a lot more talent than most other teams are going to run out against them on any given night. And the Pac-12 sucks. Sucks. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> such a bad conference this year. <laughs> I mean, Oh, like, I mean, I, I'm a little, it's a little frustrating to me that of all the people that are like in a, a 
ton of hot water in college basketball. Like Dana Altman isn't one of them. That's very true. Yes. Because Dana Altman on, many, on top, like, yeah, keep going. On I'm top of, like literally everything we just said about like, Hey, like don't let coaches discipline players. Like, you know, who's really bad at that? Like Dana Altman, like <laughs> Dana, like Dana Altman and players and sexual assault and you name it. Like doesn't matter. Dana Altman's got a terrible record at it. Like, and he's like, if Dana Altman hasn't been recruiting dirty, I'll be shocked. <laughs> I, I, that's the, that was what drove me nuts is that all the Arizona players that committed to Arizona went to Nike. Like they're doing the same freaking thing. Like right. Of course they are. Like bowl bowl isn't like, Oh man, like let me go hang out in Eugene at like some program <laughs> that like, you know, has a final four in its history, like for funsies, you know, and play for Dana Altman. Like, of course that's not happening. Come on, let's be realistic. So, like the fact that it's a little irritating to have Oregon like pick to win the conference, but um, I don't know. Like I'm not a Dana Alvin believer. I think he actually like tends to underachieve versus his talent. Um, I don't think Steve Alford is a good coach still <laughs> at all. So uh, I, I think that Arizona could definitely make a run in the conference because you're right. Like who else is there? Like kind of Washington, I guess, you know, it's funny. I was listening to, he's some, a good coach. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think that team will yeah. be good and they'll make the tournament and they have a chance of winning the Pac-12, but let's see how he does over the long haul in, in Washington. I will push back real hard. I, for all the dumping that we just did on Dana Altman, I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. I think he's that good. Like I always bet on Dana Altman at the end of the year and it almost always works. Like this team will, this Oregon team will suck for the first three weeks and everybody's like, what happened to Oregon? They'll just free. Oh, they have this recruiting class and then they will put it together because that's what good coaches do. They see what they have and they start like college basketball. is all about betting on the coaches. The players are, there, there are instances where the players are like so talented that it just changed. Like even, even <laughs> Steve Alford, <laughs> you know, can be good. But, uh, by and large, I'm always looking at the coaches. I, I think Dane Allmig is one of the best. Um, with that said, there was this whole, uh, inf- all this information coming out of UCLA where there's this grumbling of uh, nobody knows whose team it is. And you have all these five-star players that, and, and five-star players from last year that thought they were going to the NBA. <laughs> and they're all fighting for yeah. whose team it is. Yeah, that sounds like that's going to work out real well down there in Westwood. Well, it always goes. I mean, like even like Ben Howland towards the end of his tenure there sort of lost. He had a really a couple of bad apples on the team and sort of lost control of the team. Um, Ben Howland has far more of an engaging, I mean, personality and domineering personality than Steve Alford does. And if Ben Howland couldn't keep a lid on the zaniness of UCLA throughout his entire career, like Steve Alford is clearly not going to. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into our sleazy bets. Hey, um, can I get some PAC 12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? PAC 12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Okay. All right, all right, dirty people. We are back, and we are excited to go through the Pac-12 slate this coming week, which is week eleven. Rob? Yeah, week eleven. Oh my gosh, that's nuts. I know it is snuck. I it, it is so busy doing all of this, uh, all of this every week that it is it is amazing to me that it's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to be in Tucson for Thanksgiving, 
and college football is almost you know to the bowl season. Let's shift to this week here, 11 a.m. Pacific time, UCLA on the road at Arizona State. Uh, ASU coming off that big win against Utah. UCLA just getting punched by Oregon. Let's uh, what we normally do with the sleazy bets is we go through all of the games this week and then we talk about uh, the games that each team had uh, in the prior week. So let's start, Rob, with UCLA. Um, they. I mean, they lose by a lot to Oregon, but a lot of weird stuff happened in this game, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the game was, if you were UCLA, you near, very nearly outgained Oregon, um, you know, fairly even, I believe, in time of possession. Uh, Joshua Kelly had a, a pretty big game in this game. Um, I mean, he almost had 100 yards just in the first half. The problem was is that Dorian Thompson Robinson came out one for eight <laughs> um, before eventually being pulled, and Wilton Spite coming into the game. Spate coming into the game, but I mean, whether it was um, you know Oregon, you know, running a fake field goal for you know points, and UCLA just not even covering it, um, or miffed punts, you know, bad turnovers, poor, I mean, just poor decisions all around, um, by, uh, this UCLA team. And it just, it was, it was a, like a, a, with this UCLA team in this game, it would be a bunch of very good plays strung together, followed by like one horrendous mistake. <laughs> like It was just, it was very frustrating to see because in some ways like it's like, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, the model is like, right. This is a, like if most of the time this should be a, like a pretty even matchup between these teams. However, like UCLA just could not stop. Like Dorian Thompson Robinson was so rusty in this game. Um, and I was really surprised that uh, Chip Kelly stuck with him as long as he did uh, in the game at all. It was, uh, it was an interesting game. It, I mean, like Oregon mostly benefited from having pretty good field position off of um, UCLA's horrendous mistakes and, and UCLA, does not have a good defense. Um, but I got to, it's worth, it's worth pointing out. And I don't want to sound like I, I have hammered him on this. Like Justin Herbert's completion percentage, he was 18 to 32 in this game against UCLA's bad defense. Um, like I just, I, and I'm not an NFL talent evaluator. Justin Herbert's completion percentage is not very good for a guy that could potentially go at t- the top of the draft. Okay. Okay. We'll keep that in mind. Put it in the back of the mind here. Uh, man, but though, pick your poison. Wilton Spade or Dorian Thompson Robinson. Ooh, buddy. Spade was 13 of 25. Dorian Thompson Robinson ended up 9 of 23. Jeez. Like, holy moly. That is awful. That is, that is really, really bad. Like, but and, uh, in this game. Yeah, I mean, in this game, like, they still, you know, managed. I mean, they threw for 297, ran for 199. Um, You know, like, Oregon only threw for – I mean, they did. They actually did outgain Oregon in this game. I haven't – like, UCLA just (laughs) – Wow. Um, I mean, congratulations on the win, Oregon. But uh, I feel like it was a lot more about UCLA screwing up than Oregon doing good things. So I was doing some work at a bar and this game was on for probably the first quarter, I think. And then they switched it over to Alabama uh, LSU. So I missed this, but there is a 15 yard pass by an S Flint oft. <laughs> Do you know who that is? Uh, Stefan. Stef- it's either punter. I'm wondering if that was the. 
That was the special teams thing. Oh, it is the punter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, the punter. It would have been way better if they put in the walk, the walk on quarterback, just to like really rub everybody's <laughs> nose in it, and then came, came back to Thompson oh, Robinson. I really thought like uh, Rick Duheisel's kid is like a graduate assistant on staff, and he's like obvious because he has like the blondest. Like if if you were ever asked to like define what blonde hair looks like, like that kid has the blondest hair you'll ever see. So like he's obvious when you see him on TV. You're like, holy smokes, like. That kids spent some time in California. Um, and it's just like, suit him up. Like, does he have any eligibility left? Like, he's got to be better than these two. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Hey, let, let's move on to the Utah against ASU game because if you're a Utah fan, don't be sad. Like, it, it happens to almost every team in the conference. And many Wilkins came out on fire. Like you mentioned, you know, Benjamin had a heck of a game. But what are some other things that stood out for you in regards to how ASU was able to, um, A, keep Utah to 20 points? And I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> but the other, <laughs> it might not be a surprise. But also be able to step on the gas against a really good Utah defense. I mean, so part of it is Huntley had two interceptions um, and then Jason Shelley had one. So they're already, um, I mean, Manny Wilkins had one, just his worst, just horrendous interception in the game, uh, in the second half. But I mean, Utah's already, you know, down negative two on turnovers. So that's a big part of it right there. But um, they, Utah, I don't know whether they felt like they had to try to keep up, um, but they, they, they didn't give the ball to Zach Moss nearly enough um, in this game. And I don't know why uh, they didn't give the ball to Zach Moss more given that Huntley didn't seem quite as sharp as he maybe needed to be in the game. Um, And then once you, I mean, once the backup was in, like they were, you know, throwing to try to catch up, but um, they really should have given the ball to Moss more. Uh, in the game overall, like only 18 carries. I mean, you know, Benjamin on the flip side of it had 27 carries. Like you would have much more expected coming into this game that Zach Moss would be the one that was approaching 30 carries. Yeah. I don't know. Like Utah, I think Utah will be fine. Uh, they, they are a flawed team. They're a good team with a flawed quarterback. And what are you going to do? <laughs> like you just clamp down, try to give the ball to Moss more and, and just hope for the best. And that, uh, I, when we were previewing this last week, Rob, basically we were saying like, right, you know, Huntley gets 15 passes or so, and that should be cool. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't really yeah. cool. <laughs> he had two interceptions on those 15 passes. So, uh, let's, let's stop throwing the ball to the other team. How about that? Huntley? Um, still, I, I, I'm still fairly bullish on this Utah team. I think every team's going to slip up every once in a while and we shall see what happens. But the, uh, the ASU devils have UCLA, they're 12 and a half point favorite. And what does the model say about this matchup? So the model's got this ASU comes in with an 89.92% win probability. Um, the model is fairly impressed with the outing that ASU's offense had uh, against Utah's defense and uh, ASU's offense, which had been sort of hovering in the in the 20s, is now up to 18 after this most recent performance. And really rightly so. They had a heck of a game against that Utah defense. Oregon has or I'm sorry, UCLA has nothing, nothing like that defense. <laughs> so uh, I would expect Manny Wilkins and company uh, to have a field day uh, against this UCLA <clears throat> defense. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I 
I like Arizona State, even though it seems like a big spread. The model thinks that the spread should be bigger uh, than that coming into this game. Um, the model would approximately have it uh, at about a 17-point spread. So, oh, my. Uh, yeah. Give me, uh, give me ASU. I would almost take ASU with 17 points. I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but I think 12 and a half is way too little for uh, a UCL offense. That could be a mess. The one thing to keep in mind is that I'm still not convinced of ASU's run defense. I think it is what it is at this point. So Joshua, oh, no, Kelly, the defense is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly's going to get like 150 yards again and like probably two touchdowns. But I think that Wilkins and Benjamin, like Benjamin's going to get 200 yards in this game, right? Like he's just going to oh, run yeah. the ball everywhere. <laughs> Right. I mean, if Arizona can show up and run the ball pretty effectively against them, and I mean, Oregon was pretty good at it too. I, I fully expect that ASU, which does like to run the ball to, and then, you know, be able to throw over the top uh, with Manny Wilkins throwing to his wide receivers. I just, I, I like ASU to have a good game in this game uh, against UCLA, like good, good luck keeping up. I mean, especially cause I mean, they just, UCLA looked like such a mess at quarterback. All right. Moving along at, 12.30 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. The number eight Washington Huskies roll into Boulder, Colorado, take on the Colorado Buffaloes. And Washington State coming off of a, just a stupid game against Cal. Like just so, so dumb. And I watched the end of the game. I know you watched the beginning, so I think our powers combined, we can stab each other in the eye with a scissor, with scissors, uh, describing what happened in this game. But obviously Cal's defense is quite good. Minshew was fine but how come washington state really couldn't pull away from cal i mean a lot of it if you look at it because washington state is they they hardly ever run the football so they if you hardly ever run the football you're really dependent on Minshew hovering around 70 percent ish on his completion percentage he only went 35 51 uh in the game which is i guess close enough ish but like cal does something does does things that really good defenses do and this sounds like a very obvious thing to say but like cal makes tackles in space <laughs> like if and the whole point of of spread offense very often is to try to get players out of the space and it's often the responsibility of the ball play, the ball carrier or ball catcher just to make one guy miss and then they can make big yards like cal you don't make that guy miss like he makes the tackle um and it's it's something that uh washington state was really struggling with in this game because they they were not able to sort of get those additional extra yards after the catch that they uh kind of rely on um and Minshew, he's a he's a smart good quarterback like he's he's not going to go looking for stuff that's you know unavailable out there um so he often throws down to the check down and and looks to pick up extra yards there uh it just wasn't there uh, in the game, in, in this game, like they're just, they weren't getting a lot of yards after the catch and, uh, it really hurt them. And Cal's offense sucks. It sucks. Oh, it sucks. It's so bad. Chase Garbers, 50% completion rate, basically 127 yeah. yards, a touchdown and interception. They cannot move this football. Again, he was the leading rusher on this team. Friggin' Chase Garbers over Patrick Laird. That, oh, this is such a gross offense. And, uh, and shouts to Washington state for being able to make sure that they did not score more than a touchdown, but oh, like, Something, something's got to change over there at Cal uh, next year because this is uh, not looking good. 
it's a mm-hmm. it's amazing to me. And it should be like everybody at Cal said, like, oh, I just need someone to get coach defense. Like, let's, I mean, they they went out and got Wilcox, and he hired DeRoyter, and this defense is phenomenal. Like, they're ranked at number eleven in beta rank right now. Like, easily the best defense in the Pac-12. But <laughs> whoa, like, I mean, like you take Sonny Dykes's recruits on defense and mold them into this machine. Okay. Like I didn't see that coming. Congratulations. But somehow we have taken Sonny Dykes's recruits on offense (laughs) and molded them into the most inept offense, maybe in the country. Like I don't like just the dichotomy here of like, like good on you. Like congratulations. Like I wouldn't have expected that. Like given how bad defense was played under Dykes, but I really would not have expected the offense to be this bad given how good the offense was under Sonny Dykes. Uh, the Pac-12 is the best. It's so dumb. And it's so good. <laughs> it's just like, if you could combine, it sounds weird to say if you put Oregon state's offense and Cal's defense together, they would be the best team in the Pac-12. <laughs> That's great. Oh my goodness. All right. So let's move on to, well, actually let's talk about Colorado. So Colorado lost 34, 42 to Arizona. Uh, Khalil Tate showed up five touchdowns, one interception, had some bad throws, a bad touchdown, all that stuff. But he uh, looked like he could move the football uh, on the ground. And we had mentioned this on wildcat radio. So if you're listening to the sleazy bet segment on this, I apologize for repeating it, but Kevin Sumlin in his press conference had mentioned that Khalil Tate should be uh, running the ball more. And he's, going to have uh, an extra week of time that's for next week but when it comes to how arizona played against colorado i mean the tate that people were hoping would show up is wasn't quite there on the ground but he was slinging the ball around and you had jj taylor arizona's running back run for 192 yards and just this colorado off uh, defense couldn't stop arizona right yeah and they've been plummeting i mean this colorado team um which in the earlier season looked pretty good and and was making the the preseason prediction that they would sort of sit somewhere in the seventies, um, look really bad. Like they've been in the last couple of weeks, they have just been in in free fall. Um, I mean, yes, they've lost all those games of course, uh, since they started out five and oh, but they're down to number 83 in the model. Um, the offense, which, you know, and the defense, which had been kind of up in the thirties or, you know, the offense is at 76, uh, the defense is at 79 now uh, after their performance against Arizona. So this Colorado team is really scuffling along. It's not just LaVisca Chenault. Um, the defense, you know, isn't maybe like, and they are suffering from some injuries, but isn't really stepping up. And um, everything that sort of, I guess you could say, worked against some bad teams that they played and worked with uh, Chenault in there just is, is not working. The play calling is not good. Um yeah, they're just real. Like, I don't know. I mean, do you think that if suddenly Chenault came back and played in this game, and he might, I mean, it's it's turf toe since the USC game. I mean, would you be apt to rethink anything about this game against Washington State? No, because Tate picked apart <laughs> the secondary. And if Tate yeah. and Gardner Minshew is significantly better of a passer yeah. than Tate. And I just really like how Washington State is rolling. They've had two almost brain fart games, once against Oregon State, once against Cal. I don't think this is the case. I think they roll in and they just win by 20. And where are you if you're uh, Jim, McIntyre, uh, Jim McIntyre? What is it? Mike McIntyre. Jim McIntyre. Mike McIntyre, who right. always looks, whenever the camera finds his face, like I tweeted this out, like he always 
always looks like he's in a kidney stone commercial. Like he just <laughs> always is making the most absurdly like pained face. Oh my gosh, are we gonna um, fire? Are we gonna get fired? Like all of the time on the sideline. I mean, that's a, like imagine a couple weeks ago. Like if you're a Colorado fan, like you're riding high. You know, like they're worried about losing their offensive coordinator, Chivarini, at the end of the season because he's such a good play caller. Um, you know, like McIntyre, like, the, you know, the, the resurrection's real. Like, people are really talking about, like, our friends on Freeball and are talking about, like, him being on the hot seat um, out of, coming out of this Arizona game. And they were talking about it before the Arizona game. I mean, McIntyre. has to be the case, though, right? Like, I, I haven't seen the recruiting class, but if he's still bringing in low three-star guys, like, where where's the improvement going to come from? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just – it's uh, – that 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 year that they were good looks like a lot of Jim Levitt and a little Mike McIntyre um, again. Like that's what it sort of looked like last year. Um, this year, it, it looks like that might be the case again. Um, what did you say? What the line was yet on, on this game? So Washington State is a four and a half point favorite on the road. What does Bader say? Yeah. What? <laughs> Not that. Um, so. <laughs> Watch. What? <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious, man. That's what it says. My God. Um, okay, so uh, Washington State. Let me go back because I was looking at something else to, real quick. Washington State is a 91.43% oh uh, favorite in beta rank in this game. And uh, Washington State, that, that 91%. Uh, roughly translates to an 18 and a half point favorite. Oh my goodness. So what would be the scenario in which Colorado wins this game? Like what would they have to do? So LaVisca Chenault clearly has to be back. Yes. Chenault plays. So, um, so how, well, here's a question. How bad or good is Washington state's defense? I mean, they're bad. Like what's not like they're, they've, they've had some decent moments um, in throughout the season and they have, They've they've been reasonably good at sort of shouting down the run, but you you've seen them struggle against uh, you know they they do generate a lot of pass interference calls. <laughs> um, their corners are not tall, um, and they can sometimes struggle to cover out um, you know the other team's receivers. So this Washington State team, their offense is ranked number four in the country. Uh, their defense is ranked number 86, uh, but they've got some pretty decent special teams at 37, and that's not insignificant because it can it can help them make up for their uh, defense being a bit of a sieve. Um, I just I'm shocked. Like Colorado has played so poorly. I mean, so poorly. Um, this feels like almost a little bit of an overreaction to Washington State struggling against Cal. Um, but, I mean, Vegas should know how good Cal's defense has been. I mean, Cal just laid a wall. I mean, Washington, Washington, as unimpressive as their offense sort of appears, does have a pretty good offense. And Cal totally shut them down um, in that game. I mean, they, they rotated Jake's. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what – the model thinks like what sort of deal with the devil the um, Vegas thinks Mike McIntyre made. Um, there's no injuries that I'm, are there some injuries that I'm unaware of that like did Gardner Minshew get like, like a bus fall on him <laughs> when he spiked, when he spiked that football, his, his shoulder popped out of his socket. And it's not like, I mean, if, if one of Washington state's pass catchers got hurt, you'd be like, 
it's not like any of them were like LaVisca Chenault or something where you were like, like, oh, my God, like, it's totally derailed. We're not going to make a bowl. Yeah, like, <laughs> Tay, Mar- Tay Martin hasn't caught a pass in, like, five weeks. <laughs> and, they, and they won. <laughs> like, four, and a, four and a half points? That's it, man. I mean, even if you – like, so on a neutral field, Washington State is a seven-point favorite? Over <laughs> seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Colorado? That makes yeah. no sense. I guess the, I'm assuming uh, Vegas thinks that Chenault's coming back and – but whatever, like I mean, I know he's a big deal, but or I guess the other argument would be Washington State's pass defense is so bad that you have Chenault and Katie Nixon and like Jay McIntyre are just running amok. But they're not going to like on the on the flip side, Colorado isn't going to stop Minshew. Like Washington State's going to score forty points in this game, and yeah. <laughs> I have four and a half points. I don't know. Uh, that's awesome. All right, let's. let's, let's but in any of this, like, it's not just like it's not just Lavisca Chenault. Like, yeah, people have figured out what Colorado's doing, and they have shut it down. And Colorado doesn't have an answer. It's not just Lavisca Chenault. Like, <laughs> like he's he's fantastic. He's phenomenal. He's, but he is not. He doesn't touch the ball often enough. And even as much as Colorado got him the ball. He doesn't touch the ball often enough to change for Colorado's offense to fall off like they have. Like if if you're showing up and getting out schemed and, and, and you can't run the ball against Arizona, like you have problems like this offense has, has significant problems. And like I like I said, like we talked about, like Washington State's been pretty decent against the run um, and they they can get pressure, uh, you know, on Montez in this game. So I'm shocked. I mean, I just. I guess, like at the very least, I expected Washington State to be like an eight or nine point favorite. But well, there you have it. We'll take it. We'll take. Yeah, it. <laughs> this is gonna be great. Um, I may or may not use my full my bookie bonus on this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. We already talked about Oregon and Utah specific games, but Oregon is a three and a half point underdog on the road at Utah. I thought this game was. Uh, I thought it was at Oregon. And I love Utah in this game. I whatever. Like I, I think even if they put in Jake Jake Tuttle's like you know evil twin or whoever the <laughs> Jake Smelly or whatever, who's the who's their new quarter yeah. who's the, whoever, the the guy they have back there um, Shelley Shelley there we go <laughs> Jake Smelly uh, even if he's back there you do the Zach the Zach man, I'm getting all the names you do the Zach Moss show over and over again the defense I think holds this um, this Oregon. Utah's defense holds Oregon's offense in check and Utah should be able to roll in this game at home. I am not afraid of Oregon. I finally bought into the numbers, Rob. <laughs> what is, what is uh, beta ring say about this matchup here? What's the probability? I mean, so Utah's got like a 91.47 probability of winning this game. That feels high given that the model has not caught up to, um, the injury to Huntley, you know, he's not going to play in this game. Um, but I, you're right. Like uh, I, I look at Utah's performance on defense over the entire season. Um, last week feels like a blip. Arizona State actually has a better offense than Oregon does. Um, there's, there's Justin Herbert is not going to be throwing to Nikhil Harry or Frank Darby in this game. <laughs> he is, um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I. Do you think it all comes down? I mean, whether you believe Oregon's going to be able to run the ball. 
I mean, I think Utah will. I think Utah will be able to run the ball. I think, but if you think if you think Oregon can run the ball effectively in this game, sure. But I, I don't against this. Uh, and if you take that away, and and they have to rely on Herbert to to carry them for the whole game, like uh, other than the Stanford game, he hasn't shown he could do that. What's going on with Jim Levitt there? He has. I mean, the secondary is a mess, but that front seven should be good. This is the big, like of all the things that uh, I thought I knew coming into the season. I thought I, I thought I knew um, that Washington would probably win the conference, given how bad things were. So this, I was wrong there, but I don't think I was as wrong as I am. I was about like Jim Levitt's going to have this Oregon defense even better than they were last year, and it, they just haven't. They have fallen off. They had a big jump with him last year, um, but they're just they're not executing like they're just they're unable to get off they're unable to get off blocks i mean they they have some individual moments but as a defense they really struggle um i mean they're better against the run than they are against the pass i mean they do really struggle with the pass but um it's not just i mean some most of it you could say is on the secondary but they're not getting great pressure in a lot of games either uh to put pressure on guys and um I mean, in that Arizona game, I mean, Arizona ran, showed up and ran all over him. UCLA was able to, I mean, Joshua Kelly had, before they, UCLA really committed to throwing the ball in the second half. I mean, Joshua Kelly had almost 100 yards in the first half against this Oregon team. Um, I don't know. Uh, when you look at it, like, you can easily end up, like, waxing poetic about each individual player and, like, Jordan Scott and, like, you know, how they could be in the pros, but... Uh, man, as a unit, they just don't have it together. All right. Well, we'll find out. I think I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball, and I do yeah. think Utah's going to take this. So let's move on. Oregon State. Wait, wait. What was the line on that game? Sorry. Oh, Utah is a three and a half point fa- favorite. Yeah, I'll take Utah with three and a half points yeah, at sure. home. Yeah. Uh, next one. Oregon State is a twenty-two and a half point dog at Stanford. And let's talk about USC at the end because they have Cal. We can talk about that rock fight. Uh, but Stanford covered the spread against Washington. So that was exciting. You can't throw three interceptions in Seattle and expect to win that game, though, particularly yeah. when Bryce Love is only running for 75 yards. Like, that was just a bad game by Kev- Kevin uh, Costello. KJ. KJ. <laughs> Kevin Hogan, Kevin, AJ Costello, Kevin Jones, Costello, uh, three <laughs> interceptions in the six game. I you just should say like Jake Costello or something. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so you you know you take a look at this. Washington came out and took real control of the game for a really long time. It's another Jake Browning game, right? Sixteen of twenty seven, hundred ninety four yards and a touchdown. Blah blah blah. But Miles Gaskin finally showed up, hundred forty one yards, touchdown. Uh, you, you were at least they were at least able to move the ball, but just could not close it. I mean, the fact that I think Stanford could have won this game if Casella didn't show up so poorly. What do you think? Oh yeah, I mean, if Stanford bothered to show up in the first half and Costello was nearly unwatchable in the first half, um, and our Sega Whiteside left and came back in a boot, so oh no, I forgot know, about that. So that I, I think that could have had something to do with it, but Costello looked off. Um, Washington was getting him to him with some pressure. He was making some bad decisions. Uh, I don't think he was really reading um, what Washington was putting out there in the first half. Stanford did make some adjustments. Costello made some adjustments. He was a lot better in the second half. It helped that 
Washington basically, uh, I don't know, lost their way entirely on offense in the second half um, and let Stanford come back into the game. Uh, but yeah, if you, I mean, basically you take away one of those interceptions and, you know, Stanford maybe wins this football game. You know, it was, it was pretty self-inflicted uh, by Stanford early on. 12 more tackles for Ben Burke Irvin. It's just insane. He's, he's, a, he's a tackling machine. Uh, but I mean, if you're Washington, like, and I think that there have been some echoes of this coming out of like the Washington fan base, there, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with Bush Hamdan um, and, you know, the way the offense has been called. And you can see the sort of instant impact Jonathan Smith had when he went to Oregon state. And I, I, I think that, you know, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, Chris Peterson, who's a, who's a very loyal guy, doesn't make a move because um, you just you at the level that Washington wants to compete at, like you, you just have to be better schematically than they've been. Yeah, you got to bring in somebody new. I mean, you have and one other thing to mention is Selvan Ahmed came in uh, again, which is nice because he's the future yeah. of that running game. So it was nice to see him back on the field. But, uh, man, when you take a look at the players in theory that Washington had, at least from a running back standpoint, the fact that Brownie had been there for four years, I know he makes silly mistakes, but like you got to put him in a position to be the best that he can be. And that's certainly not the case here. Uh, you yeah. do have a, somebody like Ty Jones, at least has size and fuller. And like, there, there, there are pieces there. They're not the best pieces in the wide receiver front, but they're there. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So Stanford, um, th- this game is just stupid, whatever, like, uh, I, I, I'm going to take Oregon State because they're playing a little bit better, and I actually don't think Stanford's run defense is good. So I think Oregon State puts up at least 14, and let's see Stanford drop a, uh, a 35 or 40 burger on Oregon State and see if they can do it. What do you think? Uh, Stanford's got a 98.54% chance to model, which is actually the highest that I let the model grade out. Oh, <laughs> so, oh no. Um, yeah, Stanford's been playing a lot better of late. Um, their defense, has, in particular, has been stepping it up a little bit. Uh, I I like Stanford to cover that. I mean, it's a huge spread, but um, Oregon State's defense is so very, very, very bad at 127 that, um, I mean, this could be like the Bryce Love game. Like, Bryce Love could run for 300 yards against this Oregon <laughs> he, State defense. He, he gets all of his yards that he hasn't gotten yeah. yet from last year <laughs> in this game against yes. Oregon State. Like, it's just Bryce Love, like, just at, like, it's like the the what was like like John Heisman at Georgia Tech beat like some some team like 227 to nothing or something like that like that's the kind of game that like Bryce Love would have to have just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown every time he touched the ball <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on uh, so I I emailed Kate Scott uh, that the Pac-12 network should do a six part mini series on the missing man. That is uh, Ross Bowers over in Cal. Oh like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> the fact that they're so bad and they still don't play him. He must've done something really terrible. Uh, not like, you know, nefarious, but uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe dated. I think you joked that he dated. A <laughs> he dated. The, yeah. He took out Justin Wilcox's daughter or something. Like it's just, I don't know where they buried Ross Bowers, but like, and he actually, like, I don't think it was anything that he, like, I don't think this is some disciplinary issue. He played in the first game. I just, how can you keep running? I mean, they ran Brandon McElwain out yeah. in that game. Like, that, I mean, that is desperation. 
It's really bad. Uh, and this game is so stupid, and it's on at 1030 at night, and that's what it should be. Unfortunately, it's on national television. This is should, this should be on Pac-12 Network. Uh, oh, my God. They play a USC team, and can we just can we just all agree that JT Daniels is, like, not very good, at least now? Like, can we stop pretending that this is a thing? Um Look, SC was able to run the ball against Oregon State. Okay, whatever. But Daniels had one touchdown in this game and just was ugh, it's this whole SC team is is a mess. I do want to throw some shade at our friend Rick Powell for saying that he was going to sprinkle money on the money line for USC, possibly losing this game to Oregon State, which is insane. Um with all that said, like SE is not good and is playing a Cal team that has a good defense, but I just this is a hard game to bet because i don't know if cal can put up 15 points against the usc defense even though even this usc defense no that's a fair question this usc defense is grading out of 34 currently i mean their offense is at 93 so if you want to watch the number 93 ranked offense go against the number 11 ranked defense like more power to you i want no part of that like that we will not be covering this at length i'm sorry like i you can you can say whatever you want you know what makes football interesting like points like points pressure all of that like i mean yes like a good defense you know shutting down a good offense is fun watching a good defense shut down an utterly inept offense is zero fun so this game is going to be the number then you flip it around you have cal's offense which is 119 in the country (laughs) going against usc's number 34 Defense. I mean, like, if there's going to be a difference in this game, is that USC special teams and the punting has not been great. So it's everything but the punting. Punt off. Uh, It's going to be so good. Yeah, comes in at number 55, and Cal's is at 101. Um, But the model uh, actually in this game, um, they come in quite close together, uh, and the model has this as uh, USC is. Uh, mostly, I think this game is at USC, correct? This game is at what yes. So the model basically is like, all right, you're playing at home, and you're just a tad bit better than Cal. Uh, it's a 57 percent win probability for USC in this game. That's not a lot of points. Um, when I look at it here, it's basically like two and a half points <laughs> in the model. Um, I'm assuming what is what's the have they put out a line out on this? Uh, yes. So USC is a five and a half point favorite. Oh God. Like that's fair. I mean, they're at home. That's fair. Like, Cal sucks. Like they're not going to score, you know, USC just, maybe I, 14 to seven, like, ugh, gross. It's such a gross game. I mean, it's how, who, so here's the question that I would like to be interesting. Who has more defensive touchdowns at the end of this game? Uh, because yeah. there's at least, there's at least one. <laughs> well, I would say that the the uh, the Motley Fools over in the uh, the bullpen of quarterbacks over there at Cal have a higher likelihood of throwing a, a pick six than J T. Daniels. That's true. J T. Daniels usually when he throws an interception, it's on like some horrendous deep ball or something like that, and like his off like somebody can get over and make the tackle. Um, oh, this game is like it's not going to be a pillow fight because the defenses are like good, but it's almost unwatchable um, because I don't want to watch JT Daniels and or Garbers McIlwain uh, and I don't know, like, you know, Justin Wilcox's daughter (laughs) (laughs) try to play in this game. This is going to be so bad. Um, 
I guess if like push comes to shove, I will. I'll take Cal just because I think it's. I have a, I have a hard time seeing USC getting beyond like fourteen points. I took SC. I just they play really well at home. They just do, and uh, I don't trust Cal to put up any points at all. But they were so stupid. I mean, like they were running the ball so well, and they just kept throwing the football. <laughs> well, in that game against Oregon State, like you're like you know who we need to rely on in this game. JT Daniels. <laughs> uh, I don't get what's going on with Stephen Carr. By the way, he is not uh, not putting it together, but hopefully he does at some well, point. I mean, like, and not only that, like, if you, you're Clay Helton, you're like taking over offensive play calling in an attempt to like save your job, and you're like, you managed to display that maybe you are not that great at that. Like by <laughs> by continuing to be like, hey, let's have JT Daniels heave the ball around. Yeah, no, I know that's a really dumb idea, but uh, I'm not going to watch a minute of this game, and it's going to be the best. Uh, any anything else before we close up shop for this week? Uh, no, I mean there are some fan bases. There were a lot of targeting calls around the Pac-12 this week, <laughs> um, but I thought they were mostly fair uh, around the league. Like guys got tossed mostly for leading with the crown of their helmet. Um, all of that is for the well and good. Another Utah say I know another Utah safety got tossed. Like he led with the crown of his helmet. Um, people said that he pulled up, but if, if Nikhil Harry would have actually caught that ball, like he might've been decapitated. <laughs> That's how yeah. bad the guy was leading with his helmet. Just bad. Um, the Washington state one, I think was a little questionable. Um, the, the player that got tossed, uh, but he did make contact with the, with the came in high, you know, on that. So, uh, but I feel like the league, even if, if the, if the home fans are a little agitated with it, like I thought the league did a a pretty reasonable job with it this week. Um, uh, in this, in the games that were out there, even though there were quite a few targeting calls this week. Far out. We'll stop hitting each other in the head. How about that? Yeah. Like don't (laughs) lead with the crown of your helmet, like heads up, like heads up football, like, you know, like have your face mask up. (laughs) All right, everybody. After the election, I will have plenty more time to spend to rock our sleazy bets and our contests. So thanks for everybody for uh, submitting all the run the gauntlet stuff that will be up and running in a week. Rob, thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next week.